I want you to speak to the Lord now and say, Lord, my heart is open. Speak to me. I receive your word today for a transformation. I receive your word. I lay aside every filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save my soul. I am not a judge of your word. I am a servant of your word. I'm obedient to your word. I open my heart to your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, pray. Open your heart and pray. Your word. Your word. Thank you for your word. Oh, hallelujah for your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. All right, please, you may be seated. There's something very important that we have to consider today. And I want your heart to swell with desire to receive the word of God. Lift up your right hand and say, I desire the word of God. One more time, say, I desire the word of God. One more time, say, I desire the word of God. What I want to share with you, it's very important. I'd like for you to open your heart to understand what it means to be sexually pure. But let me, let me start by giving you a background to this from Second Timothy chapter 3. We start reading from verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, Despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lost, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us that one of the signs that will characterize the end time is that there will be a lot of evils in this end time. And the Bible says, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you. That means we are not partakers of the evils of this world. We are not contributing to them and we are not partaking of them. But you see, it's an atmosphere that will be built around the world system. But the church must not contribute to that atmosphere and we must not partake of it. And the Bible tells us 
that people will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The Bible says iniquity will abound. Because of that, the love of many shall wax cold. Why? Because iniquity is abounding. Now, the church ought not to be iniquitous because we are not the source of iniquity. The evil one, the devil, is the source of iniquity. We are of God. Amen? And we have to recognize our place as the church and recognize our destiny and mandate given to us by God. Our destiny and mandate is to shine the light, not partake of the darkness. He says, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness. What? The people. But, he didn't say, in addition to this, you will mm-mm, be part of the darkness. No. He says, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. His glory shall be revealed through you. That's our destiny. Lift up your right hand and say, I know who I am. My destiny is not to partake of, this, of the evil of this world. I'm a solution, not a problem. All right. So one of the things you see out there is that you see people becoming lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They will love pleasure, 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 pleasure. And one of the pleasures that will characterize this end time in the world system is the pleasure of sex, sexual pleasure. Hallelujah. What is it in sex that makes it drive? What is driving in it? What is the passion in sex that makes almost everybody going crazy about it? Somehow, one person or the other is involved somehow, either legally or illegally, either lawfully or unlawfully, either rightly or wrongly. Somebody is involved in it somehow, somewhere. What is it about it that has made it so, so important? Now, I want you to understand what sexual intercourse is according to the one who defined it for us and designed it for us. The Bible tells us, after that God caused the man, the first man, Adam, to have a deep sleep and then operated on him, took one of his ribs, formed the woman, closed the flesh thereof, brought the woman to the man, and then he said, for this reason the man will leave his father and mother, and then what? Cleave to his wife, and the two shall become what? One flesh. Say one flesh. Alright, so he says this reason a man. Say a man. Now in context there, it's talking about a male man, right? Okay, for this reason a man, that's a male man, will leave his father and mother and then cleave to his wife, not his girlfriend, not his fiance, his wife. And the two shall become what? One flesh. So that means the cleaving comes before the becoming of one flesh or becoming one flesh. That's what the Bible teaches. Cleaving there is marriage. Say marriage. Becoming one flesh is sexual intercourse. You remember in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul said, What? Don't you know that he who is joined to an harlot is one flesh? For two said he shall become what? One flesh. Now, sexual intercourse 
is a thing of oneness. You see, people desire to become one with one another. It's a desire. There is oneness in spirit, there's oneness in soul, and there's oneness in body. Because man is primarily a spirit being that possesses the soul and then is domiciled in the body. Spiritual oneness comes as a result of worship, submission to a higher one. For example, spiritual oneness in Christ is getting born again. You make Jesus the Lord of your life. You submit to his lordship. You become one with him. He that is joined with the Lord is one spirit. Notice he says he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. Oneness in the soul comes as a result of interaction, fellowship. When you stay with someone for long, you live around the person, and then you talk, you gist again and again and again, you think alike. You become one in the soul. Oneness in the body is through sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse brings you into oneness with another person. You can only become one with another man that is of the opposite sex according to divine designation and design. So he says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife to start with, and then they shall become one flesh. Not that a man will leave his father and mother and become one flesh with a woman, and then he will now marry her. That's against the one who designed sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse in itself is not wrong, but the use of it can be wrong. If it's used outside the confines and specifications of the designer, it, could, it makes it wrong. So the use of sex could either be right or wrong. Sex in itself is not wrong. But the use, how do you use it? The same way you can drink water and you can splash it on somebody else's face. Hurt the person's eyes, hurt the person's feeling, all right? Yet it's still water that can refresh it, but you're using it in the wrong way. So you see, sex can be used in the wrong way. And if you see what is happening in the world today, sex is being perverted. It's called perversion, abuse. When you use something the wrong way, it's, it's called perversion. You're perverting it or you're abusing it. And then if you look around the world today, you see that the desire for oneness is ongoing. Even unbelievers still worship. They have idols. They have models that they worship. Some worship sports or one game or the other. They buy season ticket. And they are so passionate. Everywhere their team are going or is going, they are there to support them. It's a form of devotion. It's a form of worship. You don't know. That man cannot live without worship. Because there's a craving of the spirit to submit to another and be one with that spirit to whom he or she submits. There's a craving of the soul. Social media. People, some people here... Some of you seated here, you have up to 500 friends. You know, you are wonderful people. (laughs) Some have 1,500 friends. They just want to unite. It's a craving of the soul. Sometimes people will travel long distances to meet people, to socialize, talk, gist, eat out together. It's a longing of the soul to fellowship with another soul. 
And it's also a longing of the body. You see desires all the time coming out of the body. Sometimes it could be so strong that you feel like, oh Jesus, is this word still true? Or was it a mistake? Can I take that portion of the Bible that addresses my feeling, you know, sexual feeling out of the Bible so I can just do what is in my heart? Some people feel that way. It's a craving to want to become one flesh with another flesh. So you see, the mystery back of sex Sexual intercourse is the mystery of oneness. And a lot of people have not come to decode that mystery yet. When you come to a point when you decode it that, okay, is the mystery of oneness, then you begin to ask yourself, how do I become one the right way? The same way you cannot accost someone, you know, on the street and say, I want to be your friend. Can you do that? At least you want to start, hello, how are you? Can I meet you? All right, what's your name? This is what I do and all that. You introduce yourself and then you, you get talking. And then from there, you begin to socialize. All right? You don't intrude into people's, other people's social lives. All right? You knock at the door and then they open up to you. True or false? But many of us are intruding into other people's flesh of is it fleshes you call it now? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah. You're not following the principle of oneness. It's not wrong to want to become one with another human being. Praise God. But you have to do it the right way. After all, God started with one man and then pulled out a woman and then the whole population of the earth, the whole human race, Right? So to want to become one again is not wrong, but there is a right way to do it. So the mystery of iniquity is walking through the mystery of oneness, ignorantly, in those who don't understand what it is to become one indeed with another flesh. And that's why we have to consider sexual purity. Sexual purity. What's the difference between purity and cleanliness? Now, this is a glass of water. Now, you can tell that this water is clean water by observation, isn't it? You can tell, right? Good. Now, what if I poured um, some Coke into it? It has polluted it, right? And you can tell because Coke has, what's the color of Coke? Uh, dark or black. I say black now. That's the color, right? Now, if I poured Fanta into this, all right, you can tell that mm, this is no longer pure water in that sense because the coloration has changed. You know, for water to be pure by observation now, it has to be what? Colorless. But you see, a chemist can come or a microbiologist can come and tell you that though it's colorless, yet it's not pure. By further analysis, put it under a microscope, an electron microscope, and then you see some microorganisms there moving around beyond what the physical eyes can see. So you see, cleanliness has to do with physical hygiene. Purity has to do with inner hygiene. It is possible to look clean without being pure. It's possible to look clean without being pure. Very possible. 
you can overwhelm the inner odor of your dirty undies with a very strong perfume. And then people say, hmm, you smell good, but you know deep down that <laughs> I wish you knew me. You wouldn't talk this way. Let me show you a couple of scriptures here that will bless you. Matthew 5 and verse 8. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It takes much more than cleanliness to see God. It takes purity of heart. So, purity is of the heart. Cleanliness is of the outside. Purity is of the inside. And then in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, the Lord said unto Samuel the prophet, Look not on his countenance, Eliab's countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. So you see, what draws God to any man is not how he looks on the outside, not his Italian suit. How many of us know God is not moved by that? It's people. When you wear a good suit, people say, wow, he looks good, and all that. That's fine, but that's not what moves God in the life of any man. Is the state of his heart. When I say heart here, yeah, I'm talking about his soul, his mind, the way he thinks, the character of his mind, his perception, and his motives. Now, when someone is loose, naturally speaking, really loose, that means not disciplined, rash, uh, loose with the opposite sex, for example, you can tell. You can tell that's uncleanliness. You can tell. Why? Because you know that mm, this person is loose. But you see, most of the time, we think looseness came from the blues. No, it did not. It came from impurity. Impurity. Did you get that? Impurity. What is that? Impurity, when it is prolonged, precipitates into uncleanness. Am I speaking your language? (laughs) Impurity, when it is what? Prolonged, precipitates into what? Uncleanness. That means if someone has not kept a pure mindset, a pure motive, a pure character of the mind, all right, and has been given to all kinds of negative thoughts, is a matter of time. Watch. Out of the abundance of those negative thoughts, the mouth will begin to speak loose words. The hands will begin to act loosely. The legs will go in a loose direction. The buttocks will sit with loose people. But you see, it began once upon a time from somewhere. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. We start the reading from verse 3 down to 7. It says, but fornication and all uncleanness. Do you see that? Fornication and all, all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. In other words, don't let those things be named among you as becometh saints. The Bible says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking 
nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no homonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things come the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Did you see that? See, that it's not the will of God for us to be unclean. It is the will of God for us to be clean. Well, you see, cleanliness is actually born out of purity. Cleanliness is a child, an offspring of purity. Now, let me quickly mention a couple of things here about purity before we come into sexual purity. You can be clean at the moment and not be pure, but you can't be pure and not clean. I repeat, you can be clean at the moment and not be pure, but you can't be pure and not clean. It's not possible. Purity is the quality of inner hygiene, inner sanctity, inner impeccableness, inner spotlessness. That's purity. Purity is of the heart. Why cleanliness is of the outward appearance. Prolonged impurity results in uncleanliness. Prolonged impurity results in uncleanliness. Now don't forget, purity has to do with the motives, perceptions, and character of the heart. Paul the Apostle encouraged Timothy, his son in the faith, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers in word. Did you see word there? In conversation. Did you see conversation there? In charity, in spirit, in faith, in what? Purity. Let's all say purity. One more time. Say it again. Say purity. All right. And then Jesus himself showed us while he was teaching the Jews. He told them something very important. He said, well, I'm going to redefine adultery and fornication to reflect the very intent of God. You have supposed it for something else that it is not. That is actually the fruit of it. I'm going to define the root of it. Every fruit has its source in a root. Without the root, there can't be the fruit. When you try to fix anything at the fruit level, you can never fix it permanently. Make the tree good, and then its fruit will be good. Make the tree evil, and the fruit will be evil. A good tree cannot bear forth evil fruit. And an evil tree cannot bear forth good fruit. Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Look at Matthew chapter 5. We started reading from verse 27. He says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. It is an I say unto you, it is but. That means contrary 
to their own appellation and definition of adultery, I am saying to you. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her had committed adultery with her already, where? In his heart. In his heart. He's done it. They were discussing the act. Jesus was discussing the motive. He was talking about the root. You see? Verse 29. And if thy right eye offend thee, he says, pluck it out, Jesus said. (laughs) We're coming to that. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Than that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Okay? So, where does sexual impurity start from? The heart, the meditations of men. If you can't nip it in the board, you can never nip it. You must know where it starts from. Before it becomes uncleanness, the action that is unclean, it begins somewhere in the thought process, in the thought realm, in the mind. You think it. Now note that. Let's quickly look at the anatomy of sexual immorality. We want to dissect this thing from the word of God. We want to use the surgical knife of the word to get to the root of the matter. The anatomy of sexual immorality. Jesus speaking, I, I once quoted it to you. Luke chapter 6. From verse 43 down to 49. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Is that correct? Very correct. Neither does the corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs. Does that make sense? Yeah. Nor of a bramble bush gather the grapes. That's not possible. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth what? That which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Did you see that? Go on. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sins and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So what Jesus is saying here is, it all begins where? In the thought realm. If it is sown there, it's a matter of time. If you don't fight it there, 
you've not fought it at all. If you try to clean it up on the outside, it's a makeshift solution. It is ad hoc, impromptu. It will not last. You see that? Look at James chapter 1 quickly. We'll start the reading from verse 12 down to 17. He says, Blessed is the man that endured temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man with evil. But every man is what? Tempted. Every man is what? Come on, every man is what? Tempted. When he is what? Drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Of God's lust? No. Of his neighbor's lust? No. Of his own. That means he caught that lust. Lust simply means inordinate affection. That means that which is blown out of godly proportion is called lust. You know, that's what it means. Meaning, something that is blown out of divine limit. Something blown out of the confines of the word. See? is called lost. So he says, every man is tempted when he's drawn. That means your lost has pulling power. Every lost is a pulley system. I'm telling you. It has enticing power. You see? Look at it. Go back to verse 14. When he's drawn away of his own lust and what enticed. To be enticed simply means to be captured, enraptured, overwhelmed, baptized, taken over. That's what it means to be enticed. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Away. Little one at Bible says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Meaning, he's drawn away from the truth, drawn away from the path of life. Lost. Now, how does lost begin? Thoughts that are unscriptural. That's how it begins. And then when it is entertained, when it is imbibed, when it is swallowed, when it is digested, it becomes a force. And then that force begins to pull. That's lost. And then lost entices. Look at it. And then verse 15 tells us, then when lost had conceived, that means lost has a womb. It can bear children. But the offsprings of lost are terrible. It says, when lost draws and then entices, what does it do now? It conceives. That means it becomes pregnant. And when it is pregnant, it gives, it gives birth to a child that cannot be celebrated. There's no christening for that child. No naming ceremony. Because an ugly one. Then when lust had conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. And when sin, that's not the end. You see, every child grows. And then when the child is born, sin, the Bible tells us that and sin when it is finished, when sin matures, when sin is rounded, when it has 
to start with a bedroom and then you give the whole flat to him and it takes over the entire building. Then the Bible says it brings forth what? Death. See the process? Every lust is taking one to, towards death. That's the end result. All right, you may be traveling to London and route Amsterdam. You stop over there at Amsterdam, Schiphol uh, Airport. That's not your final destination. You're still on your way to London, Heathrow. You don't go to bed at Amsterdam. If you let lust take you on a journey, you must die before it leaves you. If you let it take you. Because except the word of God is not true. See? And that's why, you see, you must be very smart to nip it where? In the board. Fast. It begins in the thought process. If you don't deal with it there. Sometimes when I see young people, I tell them, I said, hmm. I pray the Lord will give you understanding. If there's anything any young person should crave for is understanding. With all that getting, with getting a fiancé or a fiancé, you must get understanding with your fiancé. It says wisdom is what? The principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all you get in life, with a degree, with an MSc, with a PhD, with a pair of trousers, with a bag, you must get understanding or else... You will abuse that thing and pervert it. With manhood, the very moment you grow up and you discover that there's something dangling between your laps, you must get understanding with along that thing dangling, or else you may dangle and tilt in a direction you may not like. You see the process? So it begins with a thought outside the Word of God. And then it becomes lost. And then... Lost drags, overwhelms. Lost wants to take you over, don't forget. But don't give it that right of way. I've seen people before shaking under the influence of lust. Shaking that they've been enticed. That's what it means. If someone is shaking under the influence of lust, that person has been enticed. Then the result will be what? Sin. Sin simply means acted out that which is not in line with God's perfect plan. Every unrighteousness, the Bible says, sin. Sin is the transgression of the commandment of love. <sighs> For some of you here, I pray that God will give you understanding in a special way because some of you don't know what sin can make of a man. When we are done, you will see. And that was why Jesus came to die. For our sins. You understand that? He had to die. He didn't live for our sins. What did he do? He died for our sins. The wages of sin is what? Death. And thank God for the blood that was shed for us. Amen? Mm-hmm. Read on. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Go on. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Listen, we've quoted that scripture, all right? And applied it in many areas of our lives, right? But in context here, lust is not a gift from God. Did you hear that? God didn't give it because it's not perfect. In context, it's not a gift from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light. 
with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So who gives lost? It says when every man or if every man is tempted, let him not think that he's tempted of God. So that means it's the evil one that ministers lost, right? Yeah, not God. And then again, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't agree. Because when that thought comes and then you sign your agreement to it, you have consented. So if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. So don't, don't yield to that. Sexual purity has to do with mounting a watch or watch over the gate of your soul by taking heed to the word of God. When that thought comes, you have to deal with it. Because if you don't, it will bring forth something that you won't like. Why sexual purity? Why does God want us to be sexually pure? Why? Number one, purpose and design. Purpose and design. According to God's purpose and according to God's design of man, we were not designed to be sexually impure. That means according to God's original intent for man, sexual impurity was not part of his purpose, was not part of his design. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 13. It says, meat for the belly, and the belly for meat. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication. It's not for fornication. Understand it. The body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. The body is not for fornication. Understand it. According to design, it is not so. Say it like you mean it. Say, my body is not for fornication. One more time. Say, my body is not for fornication. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. Say, my body is not for fornication. Amen. See, your body is not for fornication. Whose is your body? The Lord. Your body belongs to the Lord, and the Lord for the body. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. It says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You see that? Your body is not yours. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Understand it. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand say it. Say, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. One more time. Say, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what your body is meant for. Your body is God's abode. Your body is God's temple. Your body is God's house. Your body is not to embody fornication and sexual impurity or immorality. That's not what your body is meant for. It's just like serving your food in another pot. You, you take it from one pot, 
you serve it into another pot and then you take it to the dining table and place the pot there. Now, you know, pots look like plates. <laughs> All right? But you may feel like, no, they are the same. It's just a bigger plate. When someone is talking that way, you keep quiet because you know something is fundamentally wrong. When you take your shirt and wear it as though a pair of trousers, and then you say, no, that's not what, no, uh, that's where I want to wear my own. You, you keep quiet immediately, you start interceding. <laughs> Why? Because you know something is what? Fundamentally wrong. When you take your body and serve it to fornication, and then I say, why are you doing that? Uh, such is life, you know. You know that what? Something is fundamentally wrong. Your divine Christian sanctity needs help. Because the body is not for fornication. It's for the Lord. See? Look at 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 very quickly. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Are you not aware the Holy Spirit says, through the Apostle Paul, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Are you not aware? And then again, in Revelation 21 and verse 3, Revelation 21 and verse 3, he says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The tabernacle of God is with men. It's a privilege. God's tabernacle is with us. His house is with men. And your body is his house. Number two reason why we have to walk in sexual purity is because it honors God. It honors God. It glorifies Him. First Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Look at verse 20. For ye are bought with what? A price. Therefore glorify or honor God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. So that means... Honoring God with and in my body has to do with me being sexually pure. Sexual impurity in your body does not honor God. You may sing worship songs. With sexual impurity does not honor God. Let's understand these things from scriptures. It doesn't honor God. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 2, if you read verse 30, God was speaking to Eli. He dishonored God by honoring his children. He didn't put them where they belong. He preferred them to God. And then God said something to him. Verse 30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me. <laughs> For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. It's, it's understand it. You honor God, he honors you. You despise him, he despises you. Those who honor me, I will honor them. Those who despise me, I will lightly esteem them. 
And when God lightly esteems a man, Lord have mercy. In Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6, God says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I be a father unto you, where's my honor? If I be your master, where's my fear? It is not enough to say with your mouth that you honor God. Your action must prove it. If God means anything to you, you can't take his temple and be toothpicking with it. You are not a bundle or a bunch of flesh just walking about. You are a spirit being, you have a soul, you live in the temple of God. And listen very carefully, that temple is not your house. You are squatting there. It's God's house. Your body. Did you hear that? You are a squatter. Squatter. Did you get that? It belongs to God, primarily. Is a, a, a lease, rent. And that's why God is going to, even when this body dies, naturally speaking, in the resurrection, he will call that body back. Jesus said the time is coming that the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear, they will come back to life. Say it like you mean, say, my body is not mine. It belongs to God. I have been bought with a price. One more time, say, I have been bought with a price. Hallelujah. Yeah, you have been bought with a price. Understand that. So, sexual immorality or sexual impurity dishonors God. You may not know it, but that's it. And you can't be dishonoring God consistently and live. We'll soon see it very soon here. Because read through scriptures, every sin is a sin of dishonor. Amen? Every. If you dishonor your neighbor, you will sleep with his wife. Is that not dishonor? And you can't, you can't put fire in your bosom and be smiling. <laughs> you can't step on live coal, red hot, and say, <laughs> with your bare foot and be laughing. The same way a man who enters into his neighbor's wife can never be innocent. That's what the Bible says. If you steal from your neighbor, you dishonored your neighbor, right? Why not ask? Please give me. I'm not giving you. All right. I'll ask God. He will give me my own. Every sin is a sin of dishonor. Every. When you bow to an idol, you have dishonored God. Who is the true God? When you disobey your parents, in the Lord, you've dishonored God, who said to not do it, and you've dishonored your parents, who gave back to you. You see, if you read through scriptures, you see, God does not take dishonor lightly. This is how I know people who can come to, near me. Anybody who walks in dishonor can never come near me. You see me afar off. I greet you. I don't fight people. Hello, how are you? How are you? God bless you. If you need prayers, I'll pray for you, but you can't come close. Why? Because dishonor 
cannot attract anything good. Dishonor always attracts judgment. Look at what God said to Eli. You prefer your children to me? I have said I have chosen you forever. You and your lineage to be priests. But let it be far from me, God said. I won't do that anymore. If there's any priest that rises up in your lineage, all right, at the flower of their age, they will die. God said to him, because of dishonor, God never takes dishonor lightly. Moses was his very close servant. God told him, do this. He did not. He spoke unadvisedly in anger to the children of Israel and dishonored God. And God said, Moses, I know you're my friend. You speak to me mouth to mouth. But you can't climb up upon the mouth. See, that's the promised land. You will never get there. He said, Lord, he began to interact. He said, quit that thing. This is how you will die, you and your brother, in succession. You strip him of the effort to start with, and he will die. He stripped Aaron of the effort. Aaron gave up the ghost. And God says, well, you, you will die at the appointed time, and by my own hands I will bury you. Dishonor is a terrible thing. I want you to go and listen to Walking in Honor. These are, these are classics. For anybody who wants to go far with God, what I'm sharing now is not important to some people. Because they are not going anywhere. But people who know where they are going, who are really serious with God, and want to go far. There are some very serious decisions you must make. Number three, reason why we have to be sexually pure is because it is a requirement for fellowshipping with God. Fellowship with God. Number three. Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? <laughs> if you don't agree with God, you can't fellowship with him. God says, your body is not for fornication, it is for me. And you say, no, it's for fornication. It's not for you. And God says, on that basis, we cannot tag along. See? It takes agreement to initiate fellowship. You must come to terms with God and be at peace. He says, thereby good shall come unto thee. Now look at First John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is beautiful. I, I, I love the scripture. Anytime I meditate on it, it reminds me of one thing. Who God is, who I am, and what it takes to walk with him. Look at it. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. God is not darkness. Oh. God is not a look-alike of light. <laughs> that God is showing mercy. All right? It's because of who he is. He's a merciful God. He wants the best of us. But you see, you don't count the mercy of God for slackness. God is not slack. As so men count slackness. His mercifulness is to bring us to repentance. The Bible says the goodness of God brings to repentance. It walks repentance so that we can find his grace to help us. Mercy rejoices over judgment. Grace raises you up to walk with God despite whatever you call weakness. And we have both in Christ. And we must know why he's given us mercy and grace. Not to make loose people of us, but to raise a people 
who are zealous for good works. That's intent. So this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Who is light? God. Did you see that? God is light. And then he describes this kind of light. And in him there is no darkness at all. That means absolute light that does not cast shadows. God is absolute light. And in him there is no penumbra. He is light. And then he goes on in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with light. God who is light. And we walk in darkness. Of course you know we lie. And do not the truth. That means we cannot fellowship with him in darkness. You can't walk in darkness and fellowship with him. They don't tell you. God is light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, does what? Cleanses us from all sin. Listen, beloved. It takes walking in the light to walk with delight. You, you can't be indulging in sin and be having fellowship or have fellowship with God. It's not possible. If you assume it, you have deceived yourself. You lie and do not the truth. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of, of the devil. Jesus came to pay the full price for our sins and he came to wipe it away. He came to empower us to walk with God by grace. Jesus did not come to justify our sins. He came to die for our sins. And then he justified us in his grace because he had paid for our sins. We read Matthew 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. How many of us really want to see God? (laughs) Someone said, no, I have seen him. Where? It takes purity of heart. To see God. When you see a man who has seen God. You can tell. Now Galatians 5 and verse 22 quickly. Read from verse 22 to 26. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Love. Joy. Peace. Long suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Verse 23. Meekness. Temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, you see that, have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. There's a walk in the spirit. In fact, true life in the spirit is a walk in the spirit. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Fornicating with one another. Number four. Why we have to be sexually pure. For service and worship of God. Service for and worship of God. Service for and worship of God. Romans chapter 12. We start the reading from verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How do you present it? holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do you see that? Another translation says your acceptable worship. That means in our worship of God, 
the presenting or presentation of our body holy is very important. You present your body. You see, the condition of your body affects your worship. I mean the spiritual condition of your body. You can't litter that body with fornication here and there and then worship God wholeheartedly. No, they don't go together. The same way you cannot worship God fully without your mind being renewed to the word of God. The next verse tells us, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So for you to really worship God and serve him with your life, your body must be sexually pure. It must be sexually pure. Look at what the Bible tells us here. The reason we have to present our bodies holy unto him is because God has paid for our body through Christ Jesus. And the Bible says to serve him, honor him, glorify him in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. Quickly, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constrained us because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. See the judgment? And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We don't live unto ourselves anymore. Glory to God. We live for the one who died for us and rose again. And that's Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that our body is for him. And he is for our body. The body is not for fornication. And fornication is not for the body. Say amen to that. Number five reason why we have to be sexually pure. I have tagged this reward slash Judgment. There's reward for sexual purity. There's judgment for sexual impurity. So sit down and count the cost before you get involved in it. Reward. Philippians 1 and verse 20. According to my honest expectation and my hope that in nothing I should be ashamed, this is Apostle Paul speaking here, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified where? In my body, whether it be by life, or by death, that Christ might be magnified where? In my body. Christ is the anointed one. One of the rewards of sexual purity is that you can bear the anointing on your body. Strong. Strong is a reward. This St. Paul here had Christ glorified in his body, magnified in his body. Christ was magnified. I love that. The anointing was amplified on him. You really want to carry the power of God in an amplified manner? Run, flee fornication. If you romance it, you will be a weakling, spiritual weakling. Because what it does, it reduces a man to a piece of bread. How much time does it take to eat a piece of bread? For a very hungry hog, it's just once, less than three minutes, you're finished. You won't be finished in Jesus' name. <laughs> mm. Look at Acts of the Apostles chapter 19. Let's start reading from verse 11. I love this. The same Apostle Paul, 
walked in sexual purity and the anointing, the Christ was magnified in his body. Look at what happened. Look at the effect. And God wrought. Who wrought? God. Wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Look at verse 12. So that from his what? Not from his spirit. From where? His body. Your body can work wonders if you surrender them to God. From his body. Ah. Young men who ought to be carrying God's power in awesome, terrific dimensions. You enter into a room, nothing happens. You sit down somewhere, an unbeliever sits down there and goes scot-free. No change, no impact because of sexual immorality. No power, no grace flowing through you. Don't you know that it's important your body carries that power? If it's in your spirit, nobody can feel it, nobody can sense it, nobody can partake of it. It's just there, locked up in the holiness of all. But it must come out to the outer court. That's where you have the people. I said that's where you have the people. You can touch people, you can bless people, you go to a shopping mall, things are happening. You can walk into a shopping mall and people are falling under the power of God in conviction, getting saved, getting healed, getting transformed. Amen. If you give that body to fornication, no power will manifest. Christ is not magnified in a body that is sold out to fornication and sexual immorality. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. He didn't have to say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Handkerchiefs from his body. Such power coming out of his body. With sexual purity, 30 minutes tongues can generate so much power. All right? That can that can help so many people. Alright? And when people see that well, people are not so getting blessed by the administration, maybe you are a music minister or whatever it is that you do for the Lord, people now begin to add all kinds of gymnastics to it. They just want to hype people. I don't like hyping people. I want to bless people. Because if I hype you, you go back to where you came from. The same level. But the anointing lifts indeed. Glory to God. That's what it does. A young man, you want a ministry of power and grace. Sexual purity is a must. You want to see power. <laughs> you can't be, you know, stealing a kiss at someone in the dark. And your body will bear power. You better repent of that. Why not come in the public and steal the kiss? Let people see what you are doing. That's somebody who is sincere. And say, that person needs help. Let's help him. Not stealing a kiss in the dark. Stealing by itself is wrong. Kissing someone who is not your wife is <laughs> more wrong. You see, these things must be clear in your mind. If you really want to walk with God, oh, I'm, I'm sharing, these things I'm sharing with you. <laughs> they must be clear. Knowledge. Things don't just happen in ministry. There are ministries that pastors have yielded themselves to all sorts of dirty things and all that. They are just professional in ministry. The lights just doing bling, bling, bling. No grace, no power, no transformation. They just wrap people up and all that. 
And people's faith is in the enticing wisdom of their pastor, not in the power of God. And when the man's faith is not in God's power, it won't work. It's a matter of time. Let him go out without faith. It will not produce anything. Paul said, when I came to you, I did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom. I came demonstrating what? The power and the spirit of God. So that your faith will not be based on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. That's the kind of faith that will produce. Power. Raw power. Unadulterated power. Flowing. Look at Peter. Spirits don't have shadows. I never know that. But bodies do. I said bodies do. Look at the shadow of Peter. You see, you should know your enemy. When all those laws are coming, like, I mean, for sincerely, you are sincere. You want to walk in raw power, the power of the Holy Ghost. This is a requirement. Let all those strangers leave your body. Let them leave you alone. Kick them out. And go to the Lord for repentance and commit yourself afresh to God. That's reward. God tabernacles in your body and the glory of God is so strong that things begin to happen right, left, center, behind, in front of you, above you, beneath you. Judgment part of it. If you allow sexual impurity, number one, your body will be destroyed. Destruction of the body, that is death of the body. First Corinthians chapter 3, we start the reading from verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God, what? Destroy. It's a personal thing. Him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. First Corinthians chapter 5, start reading from verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, it is reported, this is the Apostle of Grace. For some of you think you have so much understanding of grace that permits you to be fornicating, and there's nothing. It's just the grace of God working. Jesus is not the sponsor of that grace. The devil is back of it. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. <laughs> Paul, the Apostle Paul said, hey, even among the Gentiles, it's not so much as named. That means you've taken it to the next level. Those guys have to come in and learn from you. That one should have his father's wife. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Verse 2. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. This is the apostle of grace. It says you are puffed up. You should be mourning. Ye have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Did you see that? Verse 3. For I verily as absent in body... But present in spirit have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that had done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 5, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Look at it, verse 6. 
Your glory is not good. Your glory is not good. Look at what the Spirit of God is saying to them. Your glory is not good. See? Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Lord have mercy. Don't you know that a little fornication pollutes the entire body? And a little, just one fornicator impacts on the body. Little one at the Bible says, do not fellowship with fornicators. Don't walk with them. Why? Because if you do, it will impact on you. I'm not talking about someone who made a mistake. I'm talking about someone who doesn't say anything wrong in it. And says, well, he goes to church. He says, don't have anything to do with that person. The pleasure of sin is for a moment. You know why? Because the body that enjoys that pleasure won't live long if it keeps enjoying that pleasure. It's for a moment. Destruction will come on that body. It won't last. How many of us really want to live long hair? Sincerely, flee fornication. Flee it. I have discovered from scriptures, medical doctors will soon discover it very soon. All right? They are behind the word of God. The word of God is always ahead. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, it says, flee fornication. Notice it didn't say resist it. There is no body who can resist fornication. Did you hear me? The best you can do is what? Flee. Don't say, oh, nothing will happen. It will happen and happen again and happen again. And then you now ask yourself, excuse me, please, what happened? You can't be more right than God's word. You can't know better. It's not possible. He didn't say resist it. What did he tell you to do? Flee. Simple. Every sin that a man doeth is with, without the body, but he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. Another translation says, every sin that a man doeth is without his body or the body, but he that commits fornication violates his own body. You are raping yourself. That simply means your immunity drops. Watch fornicators. They are prone to all kinds of diseases. Watch them. No strength, no vigor. Because they've given out their strength to women. Please, sisters here, don't eat men's strength. All right? You are not a witch. Is that okay? It takes a witch to do that. If a man wants to give you his strength, who is not your husband? Because you see, in marriage, you don't give your strength. You exchange love. Not what the Bible says when it comes to sexual intercourse within context of marriage. is an exchange of love. When I play with my wife, I don't feel like I would die. No, I don't feel that way. I stand up strong, refreshing. Amen? For those who do that, steal it and eat it somewhere. All right? You could sleep for the next three, four, five hours. Kunatura. <laughs> God did not design it so. Isn't it a difficult thing to kick against the pricks? Can a man walk against God and not feel it? 
fornication is sin against what? The body. Your own body. If you do it, it's not going to go well with your body to start with. That's one. And two, it's also sin against God because your body belongs to God. It's just like saying, okay, I rented an apartment from my landlord, a three-bedroom. Can you break down the walls? Say, it's not my money. (laughs) You know that. (laughs) They can give you your rent back and then imprison you. You can't break down the walls without telling your landlord. Though it's your apartment, because you rented it, but it belongs to someone, rightfully. Though it's your body, what you see is owned by God. On that judgment, number two, loss of one's prophetic destiny portion or blessing. There is no fornicator, no adulterer or adulteress that has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. The same way Esau lost his inheritance in the house of Isaac is the same way any Christian, any believer who gives himself or herself to fornication cannot receive a prophetic portion or inheritance. Not what the Bible says concerning Esau. The Bible says he was a fornicator. Hebrews 12 and verse 16. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold what? Now why did he sell his birthright? Someone said, well, because he was hungry. No. Let me tell you something. Look up, please. Any fornicator, anyone who cannot delay sexual gratification, has broken the principle of temperance. That means in the place of prayer, you cannot tarry until you get something. Don't you know God who says these things? It's a process. If God says a young man should keep himself for the period of cutting until you get married to your wife and then have sex. Don't you know it's a test you must pass? <laughs> you don't know. Fornicators are always in a hurry to satisfy their desire. True or false? They can't wait. For God's right timing. They can't wait. God is too slow for them. God is not smart enough for them. They can't wait. He's in heaven. They're on earth. He doesn't know what they're going through. They can't wait. So when there's little hunger, all right, instead of this same man to say, well, why should I sell my birthright? Is it not a morsel of meat? I can go and prepare one. But he couldn't wait because he's not used to waiting. When the thing grabs him and he shakes like that, any woman close by, he can't wait. So he couldn't wait for food too. And let me tell you something. You may think you're fine if you are fornicating together before you get married. All right? You may think you're fine if you get married. Marriage does not cure it. It fills it. Did you hear me? Let me tell you something. A man who couldn't wait and you've been doing it together, do you think if you have a course for three months, you wait? (laughs) He wait for you. (laughs) 
for three months, you now come back. The house girl would have gone for it. All those native girls around. <laughs> when you come back, he has confessions to make. You see, God is perfect in his decisions. When he says wait for it, it's a training. Even when it seems it is hard on you, so to speak, naturally speaking, you can receive grace. I said you can receive grace. So that you are trained, you are ready. And let me tell you something. If a man, any man, a male man, can hold sexual urge, is a strong man. Any man. In fact, in the Roman Empire, it was a test of maturity. They put virgins around you. If you are still innocent, after a year, you are a warrior. The king can depend on you. How many of us know patience is worked out as our faith is tried? Do you know that? The trying of your faith does what? What is patience? It says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. And to self-control what? Patience. Constancy. Do you know that patience is a step ahead of self-control? You can't be a patient man without having self-control. And your faith will be tried. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is your, your Jesus babe. Looking good. But you are not yet married. It's a trying of your faith. The word of God says, For this reason a, father, a man will leave his father and mother. Cleave to his wife, not his girlfriend. Cleave. And then the two shall become one flesh. If he couldn't wait during courtship, it's very, 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 very unlikely that he'll be able to wait during marriage. Because God is training us. One of the basic traits of greatness is self-control. You want to reach your goal and walk in greatness, you must learn it. You must be able to put your body under tame your desires and put them where they belong until the appointed time to fulfill them. It's called self-control. So he was a fornicator, a profane person. He couldn't reach his goal. He sold his birthright for one morsel of meat. Proverbs 6, 26. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. A man is brought to a piece of bread by means of a worried woman, a loose woman. I, I want our daughters in the house to be very strong women. The Lord is your strength. Amen. We're praying for you that you will not reduce our men to a piece of bread. Even if he is weak, you say, beloved, not so. You want to give your strength to me, I won't take it. Strength, honor, wisdom, glory belongs to God. You see, you see there are some things, when you cite them, 
Anyone who loves God, who has the spirit of Phineas, you don't want to come close to it. You are looking for a javelin to kill that spirit. He says, for this reason, the wrath, don't let any man deceive you with vain words. For this reason, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. That's the reason. When Phineas took the javelin, an Israelite and a woman of Amalek committing fornication at the door of the tabernacle, he took a javelin and pierced them through. And the Bible says the anger of the Lord ceased. That means before that time, God was really angry. You think God loves sin? Some of us think so, sincerely, the way we act. We think that God is indifferent. What what will he do? On the cross, there are two things that we see. We see the justice of God and the mercy of God, right? That the mercy of God is just. And his justice is merciful. To satisfy his justice, the soul that sinned shall die. He had to kill his own son. It tells you how strong the justice of God is. And how powerful his mercy is to get mercy across to us. It's amazing. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Sexual purity begins from within. Start searching within. You say, well, I'm not doing it. But what you view, all those websites, you have to stop going there. The things you see online, that's where it begins. Your body is already shaking. It's shaking. Oh, God, help me. You look at it again. Oh, God, help me. (laughs) All right? They looked unto him and they were lightened. What you are looking unto cannot enlighten you. You have to stop going to those sites. That's the beginning. Someone says, well, I don't do it with any lady. I just excite myself and relieve the pressure. Must you be pressurized to start with? Can't you live in such a way that you are free from within? What's the essence of grace? What did Jesus die for? You see, either sexual fantasy or masturbation is wrong. Sex, the way God designed it, he didn't say, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to himself. And the two of them shall become one flesh. If you are doing it alone, it is not sex according to divine definition, design, and designation. It is perversion. Did you hear me? It's still perversion. I will do it all with myself. I don't want to hurt anybody. It's still perversion. And where where does it start? Someone said, well, I don't know how the thing came. You know, be sincere. You know. You know how it came. You remember? You know. You know where you went to. You saw something and said, hey, in this world, this can be happening. It is not possible. And then you looked at it the second time. What you see may not affect you at first glance. Or what you look upon. I always tell people, I say, look, be sincere with this thing. There's no way by the grace of God I can be tempted to go to any site. Doing what? When there are 66 divine video cities in the Bible, and we have series in them. If you go, if you go into Genesis uh, 
series. You will watch and watch and watch and watch and watch. Have you seen Joseph? Have you seen Joseph? And watch it. Look at almost all the movies. It's a programming. <laughs> you think the world are not wise. They are wise. It's a programming. They are programming people gradually, inclining them towards horror and looseness. You're seeing a movie, and then the only way the actor is appreciated for his act of valor and conquest is a young lady saying, thank you for coming to my rescue. Let's do it together. Two of us. He said, say thank you. So somehow we just look at it and say, what is, what is wrong in this? Somehow they are selling an idea to you, all right, gradually. If you look at Nollywood, you see people who are unmarried having sex. Somehow you, you feel like, ah, is this is not what the Bible says. And then you see it again and see it again and see it again. And say, ah, which one is now right? Is it Nollywood or the Bible now? Eh? Our pastor said, the Bible said... But these people are saying, you see what I'm saying? People don't believe the truth anymore. And then they just look at it, Christians. Then between two, that sir, is a struggle. When I was growing up as a Christian, I'm still growing up, I mean much younger, it was not a debate. Nobody debated it. If you have any teaching on sex now, people will ask you, is it wrong to kiss? Is it wrong to... You see... Why? They just want you to say something that they would disagree with. So the pure things are pure. To those who are defied, even their conscience is, is not pure. There's a wrong witness. They have accumulated wrong things in their mindset. Let's be sincere here. Be very sincere. Someone you have emotions for, you're about to get married. You, you think you can kiss and you'll be satisfied. That's it. That's okay, Jesus' name. <laughs> we won't do more than that. <laughs> Look at you. You are not sincere. Now asking the preacher, can we kiss? And, and I'll tell you what's in your heart. The same way Jesus answered the Pharisees. You know people like that, they come to tempt you. You answer them based on the intent of their heart. Tell us. What power are you using? Is it from God? <laughs> Jesus said, if he said, well, I'm from God, he said, look at him. He's bearing witness of himself. See? The Lord Moses says, out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, every watch of the this man is not of God. He said, tell me too. John the Baptist, was he from God? And then they taught among themselves. If he says he's not from God, they know the people know that ah, <laughs> this man came from God. And they said, we don't know. And then Jesus said, I don't know too. <laughs> See? That's how you answer some, some questions. I don't know either. That's it. It's simple. Can you be sincere? At least for once, this time, start now. Can you be sincere? You know how this thing came? The things you were feeding on, the eyes. The things you talked about and you discussed. When my wife and I were cutting, I told her, I said, our discussion must be very purposeful and prophetic. 
Let me tell you something. If you say, well, I just want to admire you. Look at your breast. <gasps> Jesus Christ. Look at your morphology. In fact, indeed, you are a blessing. The Lord sent you to me. Turn your back. Turn around. <laughs> See, look at the things you are discussing. Can you imagine? And then when you discuss this, thing, do you think you remain the same? Are you a stone? <laughs> look at the things you are discussing. And you talk about that, oh, you know, past comments of approval and commendation, short, you look good, all right? Wow, you just made your air beautiful. Because, see, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. What you cannot continue at that moment, don't start it up. And that's the reason why it is advisable to keep yourself because if you are waking love before it's time to pacify it, it will take an encounter. You try the thing and say, ah, is this what God said we should all do? <laughs> Whereas, you've awakened love before it's time. Listen, beloved, retrace your steps. Go back to where these old issues began. Why do people who listen to the word regularly and pray regularly become more sensitive to God than those who don't? It's called love exposure. Whatever you're exposed to will influence you. If all you see online, you see movies, you see nudity all the time, sex scenes here and there, pornography, if you do that regularly, you'll be so awakened. Your senses will be so awakened to sex. So anytime you see anybody, any lady, for a guy, you just look it. Hmm. That is impurity, sexual impurity. It starts from the thoughts. If that person continues that way, the person will become a loose person. You begin to see people having wet dreams. Medicine says it's normal. It's just a stress from the man. The Bible says it's wrong. It's not normal. So it's just a wet dream. What have you been meditating on? If you woke up in the morning and then on your bed, your bed is wet with urine. And then you say, it's a normal thing. What is it? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you seek help. You don't say it's normal. You woke up, your boxer is wet. You say, it's just normal. And then the following day, almost every day, it's a normal thing. You must clean up your house. You must clean up your house and get ready to follow the plan and the pattern of God. It's time to bear the power of God in measures beyond what you have seen before. It's time to carry God's glory. Hallelujah. God manifests his power on you. I remember one time I was praying, Lord, the manifestation of your power, and it happened. The, the anointing of God came on me. I was literally melting. I said, God, please, lift it off. And then the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, Son, intensify your love walk and walk in purity. You will have more capacity to bear my power. 
Do you know the intensity of power that you will be able to carry in your body when you give that body unto God a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service? Hallelujah. Please don't condone all those things. Don't condone them. Don't say, well, it's just one of those things. You have to start from your mind. It says, where would actually a young man cleanse his way? It's not by taking heed to thy word. Thy word have I heed in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Thy word, thy word, thy word, thy word. I want to give people here the opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord for sexual purity. You, you, you need to be pure. Sexual purity. From within you, sexual purity. The Lord, indeed, I want to be pure from my heart. And therefore, Lord, search me. I open up my heart to you today. This is my hour. This is my moment. I ask that your word will come into my heart and change everything about me. Today, I open up my heart to your word. I have received your word. And therefore, Lord, I am acting in line with what I have received. From today, henceforth, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I walk in sexual purity. I want you to begin to mention those things specifically to the Lord now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Begin to mention them. You see, you can move around. Take different postures. You don't have to stay, you know, where you're at at the moment. You can move around. Take different postures and begin to speak to the Lord specifically for sexual purity in your soul, in your mindedness. Speak to the Lord. Sexual purity, purity, purity. Motives, thoughts, thoughts. Mindedness, inclination, purity, purity, purity. Zakabaro de glemo shate bregedo glado kusi karabado kesata. Ranta pa koshande le kopregede glado kopregede glado shanaman pregede glado sh. Sexual purity. Purity. Open your heart to the word. Open your heart right now. Spirit of God, I call on you. Help. The help of God's Spirit at work in us. Sexual purity. 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 
Purity. Purity. Purity. Purity. Pure sexual purity. Purity. Call on his name. Let the dimension of God's fire begin to burn within your soul right now. Sexual purity, 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 purity. No more ugly things online. You're not going to see those things anymore. By His grace at work in you. For it is God who is at work in us, but to will and to do of his good pleasure. No more. No more. No more. Bagretoria sabaratalabanagadosh. Embratabalabalabalabayegodogodogledegebregedegedegedosh. Zakata paratalabagadogle sexual purity 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 no room for looseness our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost We honor him in our bodies. La barata la baketo le brigade 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 br